Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner for three. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's on now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Welcome to today's episode of the ISO for SB Live Sports. I'm your host, Dan Dickow. Today's conversation is going to be eye-opening, I'm sure, for a lot of basketball fans and college fans on the West Coast. Our guest, WCC Commissioner in her fourth year, Gloria Navarez. Gloria, thank you for joining. I understand you guys are working remotely still to this day, one cost-saving measure that is definitely going to create a lot of positive impact for the league. Yes, thanks for having me, Dan. and. Uh in a good mood as we had a really great start to the hoop season. But yeah, you referenced our office situation when COVID hit, our lease was actually going to expire. So we were looking at renewals, other properties, and it was really fortuitous timing. We just said, hey, let's try this remote thing. And we're unique as a conference, right? Because we don't have student athletes. We don't have coaches and big stabs. And most of our work is done on site, on campus. We're a large event company, championships. And we're on the road a ton. And the young people in our office are, are really teaching us how to use the tools to keep the culture alive. <laughs> we're loving it right now. Well, every school, every athletic department, every conference has had to make adjustments during COVID. You guys made a big one there. Is there a, a an athletic department or a staff that you feel is adjusted better than others, not to say that any haven't done a good job, but what staff maybe has done the best job of adjusting with the new challenges? Well, you know, to your point, they're all different. And across the league, we have been in probably the three most restricted jurisdictions in COVID, starting with California as a state, getting as narrow as Santa Clara as being the most strict county, all the way up to Oregon, Washington, all very strict in their COVID protocols, and then trying to play against each other. So I, I can't really pick one, but the way we all came together, we're committed to finding a way through to compete against each other, despite or in consideration of all the various LA County, Santa Clara County, you know, it was crazy how many different restrictions and levels of protocol we had to adhere to just to compete against each other, travel, send officials into gyms. It, it was crazy. So I, that would have to be a 10 out of 10. I think we handled it really well. <laughs> We're working on the broadcast side as I do. You know, I've been in touch with so many coaches over the last year and preparing for games and asking uh, the different questions of, of not only their program, but the COVID kind of preparation side of things. For you and having to navigate that with all the different sports, all the different counties, as you mentioned, um, was there any point last year that you just said enough's enough? Like, can we just have a blanket kind of protocol for all schools in the league and all schools in college athletics? 
I think every day we all screamed enough's enough. But <laughs> I, um, so you think of the conference office. Our jurisdiction is conference play and then our championship event. So that was our main focus. And what we did, and I can't tell you how our athletic trainers on every single staff were such a great resource for us, constantly sharing information, constantly, you know, figuring ways through and with these regulations and how to get things done. And we did adopt a minimum standard for conference play and conference championship that took, you know, all the requirements across our footprint and gave us a target. So if you were less than the standard, you had to get up to the standard to at least compete in WCC play. And it worked through all fall and spring sports and our champs. And then when we go to a site for our championship event, we defer to the local jurisdiction, i.e. Vegas. Well, stay on the top of the uh, topic of Vegas. The WCC has run their conference tournaments for the men, men and women's basketball there for, I, I wanna say a decade plus now. It's been a really good decision UC Gonzaga played Duke in a neutral site game and draw 20,000 fans. How big of culmination uh, for the season is the WCC tournament and how much pride do you guys have in literally selling out the Orleans arena for a number of years now? And do you have ideas to move it to a bigger arena in Vegas? So one day, I love that, you know, us, you played there and we were the first league in Vegas with, you know, that didn't have a uh, team in Vegas. We've been sold out since the beginning. It's been, the Orleans have been a wonderful partner, great size for us to grow up into. And to your point, you know, we're coming out of COVID. I'm not yet sure how comfortable people are gonna be, you know, gathering in mass yet. We've got the virus on the horizon. So let, let take a deep breath before we jump to a bigger <laughs> venue on that. Certainly, we, we probably could, at least in the champ game. But remember, we are a 10-team tournament, both men's and women's, and we have those early round games as well. So right now, we're really happy in the Orleans, um, always keeping the eye on the horizon, never want to close ourselves off to opportunity. Um, but, you know, this we're still in COVID. Yeah, there's uh, that, that's been a a recurring comment from a number of, of coaches that I've spoke to of, of being cautious with how we're moving throughout this college season and, and being able to adjust on the fly, kind of like what you mentioned earlier in regards to all athletic departments. But the WCC men's side has gotten off to a tremendous start. Four teams in the top 40 of Ken Palm. Now, if the season were to end today and those teams were still in the top 40, you would imagine that there's four NCAA tournament teams. What 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 are you seeing from the league right now and what type of excitement does that provide for you guys as the commissioner of the league? Well, and, and you know, you asked me what I see in the league right now. The word is commitment from the top president all the way through to all the different levels that make successful programs. And I think we've really got this lightning in a bottle within the last five years, just have this great focus and commitment on basketball in our league. When I first started four years ago, we did a kind of facility inventory and you would not believe every single school has committed major dollars to their athletic facilities, starting with and including men's and women's basketball, which is, as you know, drives the bus in our league. And even as we come out of COVID, we're still seeing that kind of investment. You mentioned beforehand, we talked about Santa Clara's new facilities. We've got three, I'd say four other schools that are not yet public 
that are ready to announce major renovations to athletic facilities. Well, I'm gonna, I'll be looking forward to that because obviously I cover the league pretty closely with with the, the analyst work for for TV stations. But when you look at Gonzaga's impact, they've built the McCarthy kind of before uh, a lot of the other teams committed themselves. They built the practice facility. You talk about all these other um, institutions that are getting close to pulling the trigger and, and moving forward to the new buildings. How important is it for you guys to have an equitable men's and women's because there's some really good women's basketball in this league as well. And if you look just at the West coast in general, PAC 12 women's basketball is really good. The WCC is not far behind. Yeah, I agree. And you know what Gonzaga has done in the manner that they did it over the course of two decades, you know, and they built that McCarthy center probably at the right time for Gonzaga when you really started to kind of be that national team on a regular basis that's the model for schools like us, right? We're not going to build these palatial palaces over. No, we are not build it and they will come. We, we are develop it and then build to what we are. And what I love about what Gonzaga built, it's perfect for Gonzaga. You didn't go out and try to build a power five stadium, you know, with the expectations you built it to fit Gonzaga, the training center's top class. It's, competitive with any power five program um, but within the scope of who Gonzaga is with all the academic support and the mental health support and all of that in the building I think that's an important piece when you talk about building in our league right um and what it means to men's and women's basketball that kind of support when when you do it equitably builds a good team and look at how your team has performed up there for so long and other teams are getting there I really see a movement on our women's basketball teams. Like I said, with the word commitment from the top, that's for both men's and women's. And, I, and I've seen a lot of movement and investment on the women's side that I hope we'll see the, the fruits of come NCAA selection. Well, basketball kind of is the the driver for the WCC conference. I believe, I, I'm, I, I think I'm correct in this, there are a couple football programs sprinkled in uh, amongst the schools in the conference, but football is not the focus as it is for many power five conference teams. Uh, how does that help your conference that it's so basketball centric? You know, we did have football with Duke. They're not gone yet with BYU, uh, BCS independent and San Diego. And it's non-scholarship and they compete in the pioneer football league. But for us, what I love about it, because my whole career has been, primarily at large BCS football institutions is basketball is our football. And it's just so much more in my mind, manageable to develop really good programs. If basketball is your top sport, because you can change the course of the season with one or two players in basketball, football's got these, you know, big rosters and you got to have a lot of impact players, maybe a star quarterback or something, you know, to, to really change the trajectory of our program, but you'll see it in our league, even with the transfer portal, we continue to restock. We continue to compete. And I think that's because basketball is our football. It's our top sport. Well, with football being a biggest driver for those power conference schools, um, there's a continual shifting and realignment of schools into conferences. Gonzaga was wooed by the Mountain West a couple of years back. They decided to stay put, which I personally like the decision. Um, but how do you as a conference commissioner 
navigate all those different conversations between schools maybe wanting to or being asked to join other leagues how does that all play out and work and what's your your view of power conference versus i guess i don't want to call it a mid-major conference because it's truly not but not quite a football level conference i know i struggle i would like another word besides major but we outperform mid-major so i'm i moved on yeah (laughs) But <laughs> I'm with you on that. Um, but yeah, the whole conference realignment, you know, the WCC has been just kind of on the sidelines for that, for all the right reasons, because we're so aligned. We're so alike. The reason Gonzaga stayed with the WCC for many, many other reasons is because of our mission, core values. We value the holistic experience, the education, graduating student athletes. I don't think we that's just talk for us. We are the collegiate model and we embrace it. And there's a lot of synergy, even with BYU being this big BCS football power, they fit with us because of those core mission value ethics. And they made us better for the 10 years they were with us. And you ask them, we made them better. So I I think what we look at is who are we? How do we continue to be who we are and be nationally competitive? Not now we talked a little bit about basketball driving the revenue train but you look at the wcc up and down for our size and scope we are national title contenders in just about every sport and it's not one or two schools driving that train byu just took home two individual titles in cross country we're hosting the women's soccer college cup byu and santa clara are in it (laughs) two wcc teams in the final four multiply that by our tennis success our golf success beach ball, like we are there, despite the fact, take out BYU, our average attendance, or not attendance, our average enrollment is about 5,000. Think about that size and scope, how that relates to budgets, endowments, but yet here we are slugging away at a very, very high clip. It's just amazing. It really is. And and for myself, I started off at University of Washington, a a Pac-10 at the time, now Pac-12 school, and it it didn't fit for me. It was too big. 40,000 students I like, and I felt more comfortable in a smaller setting like Gonzaga. And so there's such an opportunity for young student athletes when they're looking at colleges to find a fit that works for them at a smaller school. And it sounds like the ones that value that are making that right choice in the right schools, but stay on BYU for a minute because they're moving to a new conference. How does that buyout that they have to pay the league? How does that money get split up? And then are there any replacement schools that you're comfortable or able to share that may be on a short list to join? So first and foremost, that money is designed to offset any costs of their exit. So you know, um, researching analysis, market analysis, uh, renegotiation of television contracts or venue, anything that that a departing school, not just them, triggers. So first of all, we'll take out league expenses in order to handle the departure. Everything typically left over goes 10 ways out to the schools. If there's no leftover, then schools pay dues. So depends year to year. Um, but, you know, that that's why we have the exit to begin with. Um, We've not yet really gotten a deep dive to scrub schools. The way I've been describing it is I I hope to have an uh, an announcement about whether we choose to expand or not by our tournament in March. A, to give us time 
to let the market play out. There's a lot of dominoes falling around football and kind of want to see where those all land. In the background, we're ready to move if we have to. If we have to be fleet, we can, but I don't think the schools that we're looking at are being swept up so much yet in what's going on at there. Two, we want to kind of wait to see what the Constitution Convention plays out as, because as you know, like we talked about, basketball revenue is a big driver for us. If that changes, I don't think it will, but if it does, if revenues gets split off from how we um, play the basketball tournament, that changes our membership decision. But when, when we do get down to scrubbing schools, I can like say, I think we're unanimous, unanimous in, we want to add for strength. We don't want to add just to get to 10. We can live at nine. We've done it before. It's awkward. It's not ideal, but it can be done. It can be done well at an odd number. Um, so we're really going to, you know, start from a clean slate, take a wide look at what's on the market. And, and to your point, number one for us is fit. Number two is strength. Well, just without saying specific name schools, I would imagine there's a couple that are on the short list. And again, you don't have to say it, but you look at media markets and the size that they have with different schools correlate maybe to in enhanced view of the league um, for TV partnerships. How does the TV partnership work at the college level? Because the WCC, from what I see, um, has a, a nice package with ESPN and CBS Sports, and then Gonzaga also has something regionally. Um, how difficult are those those negotiations, and are you happy with the exposure the league gets? I, I couldn't be more happy with our current television deals. So the ESPN, CBS Sports Net, those are WCC deals. And then we have a series of local schools get the rights that we don't give away, sell, sorry, sell. Um, and then they can make local deals. And we have a really robust regional sports package. So you can find, if you can't find the game on our national WCC ESPN or CBS, you likely can find it on your local RSN or there's a trickle through effect to our free public WCC network digital offering, which is pretty unique because a lot of folks are behind a paywall today. Um, so that has been, you know, really, really fortunate. We get great exposure. We also have a deal with Stadium. They take a package of nine games, and that actually gets a lot of our games in the East Coast. Um, so, you know, that's been really, really strong for us. Um, I think the central question was, how does realignment impact our television agreements? And again, right now, today, if you define strengths with the WCC, that's teams in the NCAA tournament. That's more of a financial uplift for us than our media rights especially at the size and scope and we don't have football. So yes, demographic or sorry, uh, DMAs of potential schools make a huge difference, partly for TV agreement, but also for recruitment for students generally for our enrollment packages and, you know, getting the brands of these other schools into a new market. But again, back to, I think our, our expansion decision would be couched around fit because that's, we talked about who we are being really important to us, mission, core mission values um, and strength. And today's strength is defined by basketball, men's basketball. You mentioned success in the NCAA tournament. And I've, I, I think I understand how the win shares work um, and the payouts for a team in a certain league. Anytime you win in advance, 
there's a, a monetary number that is sent to the league office and it gets dispersed. Um, for for the, the listener who's not aware of, of that, could you explain that to us? It, yeah, they're called the NCAA Basketball Performance Fund, and it's distributed in units. And you, you, you earn a unit for every team you send to the tournament. That unit is paid out over six years. And it's, I forget, it's like $600,000 a year over six years. So your AQ goes to the tournament, you get one unit. If you get a second team in the tournament, you get a second unit. For every team that advances, you get a unit. You don't get additional units for making it in the final four. But as you can see, the more teams in the tournament, the more they advance, the better the revenue back to the league. And then in our league, we do have a revenue distribution formula that starts with a base amount that gets distributed, pays the conference expenses and gets distributed 10 ways. But the further you go in the tournament, the more of that value of the unit that the team who earned it gets to keep. So that really kind of shares just how the success of Gonzaga uh, has really kind of helped everybody in the league spread out some more money, allow coaches' salaries maybe to increase uh, some of the building uh, expenses and, and updates and re uh, new buildings kind of get to the phase where maybe we can start building it. Am I correct with that? Absolutely, because those initial units earned get distributed 10 ways. Um, but also I love what I love about our system is Gonzaga make a big investment to get where they are today. And so the further they get, when you're at the final four and, and those, you know, <clears throat> higher levels, Gonzaga gets to keep more of that revenue to continue to pace at that high level. And not only allowing all of our schools to kind of all boats rise with the tide, but as we discussed, maintaining excellence. There's a lot of other leagues that need to get basketball online in order to get other sports competitive. We're already nationally competitive across the board. Like you said, men's and women's soccer, volleyball, baseball, so, you know, like, so it helps us almost maintain as well as continue to invest in basketball. Obviously, we've sp spent the bulk of our time talking about men's and women's basketball, and rightfully so because the league's so good and, and focused on, on that sport. But uh, is there a, another sport in the league, be it women's soccer or maybe men's golf or tennis, what it might be, that um, is nationally relevant and you feel they need more recognition? All, all of them. I mean, like I said, <laughs> <laughs> Teams go like in the represented in the NCAA champ across country, BYU individuals titles brought home by like Connor Mance and Whitney Ordner were hosting women's soccer, two teams in the final four from a league WCC men's soccer. We had a couple teams in the tournament, women's volleyball, same thing. BYU went to the final four a couple years ago and, you know, spring sports. We had the Pepperdine men's golf national champion, like, tennis women's semifinalists cover it like all of them all of them are given the size and scope of our league competing under the oak tree that is the pac-12 in this region it's amazing how much we are right there at the at knocking on the door of the national title so uh, I, it's hard for me to pick out one women's soccer top of mind right now because we're hosting and it's this weekend but yeah we're, we're just well, I know Bill Walton calls the Pac-12 the Conference of Champions. Who knows, maybe in a few more years uh, with some added success in the WCC, we can rebrand that for both leagues in some way. But last question. 
I, I would love you to be our Bill Walton and more with more sanity. And then, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like we were, one of our taglines is we create champions because we do, we don't live on the one and done. We bring in the diamonds and we, we find the Dan Dickhouse who have a better feel for what we provide as an academic experience. And we create champions. We really do build, we teach, we bring in, we holistically educate. And I, I really think that that's our, that's our lane. And there's such a there's such an importance to fit for for the schools of this size and, and the kids and their families who get it have an amazing experience. At least that's what I've seen both at Gonzaga and some of the other schools when I've gotten to know coaches and the programs a bit. But um, yeah, I you would know, love to be the Bill Walton of the WCC. I, I don't have as many corny jokes and different things like that, but I can try. Yeah, yeah, your dad joke. You got dad jokes. I'm sure <laughs> I do. I, my kids tell me all the time, Dad, don't don't repeat that one. <laughs> but what I love about it, I think you're the quintessential experience. You were at a Power Five, and what you find at our school, tell me if I'm wrong, is you live the life of a Gonzaga student. You weren't isolated in an athlete dorm. I mean, you you went to classes, you walked in the shoes of the, of the normal student and got that experience as well as played very highly nationally competitive athletics. Yeah. I have nothing to complain about with my experience at Gonzaga. It was, uh, is a complete blessing for me, but last question, Gloria, before I let you go, um, tremendous teams, programs across, uh, the league. Is there one facility that when you walk into it or maybe it's an outdoor facility you just you're taken aback by it and you think this doesn't get any better at the college level you know i can't pick favorites <laughs> i had to put you on the spot <laughs> i do i mean you can't you cannot even gonzaga and their facilities are at the top obviously byu with the power of their um bcs funding are right there at the top but you, you can't dismiss the locations of all of our schools. I mean, you're watching soccer at Pepperdine, looking out at the ocean, you're at Portland, you're on the bluff. I mean, there isn't a school in our league that doesn't have prime real estate and gorgeous surroundings, despite whatever their facilities might be. So that's me dodging your question. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was dodged very well. So Gloria, I appreciate the time. Thank you for joining. Obviously, I'll be following the WCC very closely. And uh, hopefully there are four teams, at least three, hopefully, in the tournament. And there's plenty of those units to spread around and we can keep the growth of the WCC on such a great trajectory. So thanks again for joining. Thanks for covering us, Dan, and appreciate any dad jokes you want to throw our way. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.